Okay, go. Hi, this is Sapiwe Baleka, founder of Fitness Trucking and author of the new book, Four Minute Fit. And I am so excited to be here with Jeff Smith on Vroom Vroom Veer. Hey, that was pretty damn good. Awesome. <laughs> well done, sir. Thank you. <laughs> All right. I'm going to hit well, one stop. hit wonder. There you go. Well, no, you got the whole show now. <laughs> All right. Hold on. Are you ready to thoughtfully steer away from your revved up, frenzied, and far too often scripted life? Then welcome to Vroom Vroom Veer with Jeff Smith, where he guides you down the road differently traveled by sharing unique experiences with guests who have managed to shift away from a life stuck on cruise control and veered their way into a more authentic and fulfilling one in all sorts of interesting and kind of remarkable ways. Get ready to Vroom Vroom Veer with your differently traveled road chauffeur, Jeff Smith. Hemden, thank you so much for being on Vroom Vroom Veer and welcome to the show. How's it going? Uh, it's going great. Thanks, Jeff. I forgot to ask, how do I sound? Do I sound okay? My setup. You sound different. great to me. You sound great to me. So, okay. Yay well, there for you go. audio. Yay. Okay, great. <laughs> okay, so you are Aaron Hendon, like you need to be told that. And you are I at don't. don'tgetfooledagainbook.com. Uh, and yep. you are a realtor in Seattle. So, tell us That's a little bit all about true. Yeah, what's going on in Aaron's life today. Well, besides being interviewed with you, I yeah. am, uh, you know, doing my, I'm doing my job, you know, I'm calling people to see who can, um, who can I help today? And I know people think realtors jobs are really like selling houses, but really the work of real estate, the real work of real estate is yeah. finding people who you can help buy or sell a house. That's the real work. Right. Um, yeah, that makes sense. buying or selling houses is just sort of a, you know. It's like delivering food at a restaurant. The real work of a restaurant is to bring people in the door. That's um, true. Right. Yeah. It's not hard once you've got the deal done. <laughs> yeah. Once you get the people to help, it's pretty right, easy. Right, right, right. Yeah. That's, um, that's why there's a back office and then the hard stuff, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That makes um, sense. Yeah. So that's pretty much, you know, that's my day. I have, uh, you know, as it would happen this week, we, my wife and I found that both our kids are on school trips all week. Wow. So I know we have a 10 and a 13 year old and I think I can count on one hand the number of times they have both been gone. And, uh, we have been just sort of like having dinner by ourselves for multiple nights. It's it's a little weird. Oh my god, it's so shockingly <laughs> quiet. It's like so weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. Yes, so it gets yes. you a preview of what life's going to be in like uh, eight to ten years or so. Uh, it's already a little sad from that perspective. You're going to make me cry now. Okay. Yes, but yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> you're you're getting a taste of emptiness syndrome. All right. I know. I am. I, am. I think we'll survive. Yeah. Yeah. No, it'll be fun after you get over the tears. <laughs> yeah. We don't have any kids, so you know. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I I get it though. You know, I've 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 heard people talk about it. You know, it's a strange, weird thing for me, but I get it. Uh, okay, so let's talk a little bit about Aaron as a kid. What what kind of kid mm. were you way back when, going back in in time in the in the magical time machine? Oh my God, I was a much worse kid than my kids are. I can tell you right now. Well, that's good. Um, yeah, you know, I um, I was sort of. I mean, you know, like young, young. I was, you know, whatever. I was just like a hyper little guy. 
growing sure. up in New York. And uh, oh, nice. Uh, I was interested in. Uh, my dad was a photographer, so I was interested in photography. And um, but then sometime in probably high school, I became something of a you know slat troublemaker, but really more class clown, sort of stupid stuff and okay. doing stupid things that pissed my parents off. Oh, um, nice. <laughs> yeah, you know, and um, uh, uh, in retrospect, in hindsight, it was really, you know, going to make myself different than my brother. And sure. uh, I went through that, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah, you know, and he was, you know, very academically inclined and okay. very uh, fastidious and, you know, not, just academically inclined, more, you know, more obviously intelligent than I was, you know, right. blatantly intelligent, not any so you couldn't compete inherently smart, intelligent, basically. Yeah. Yeah. I could, <laughs> I didn't feel like committing on commi- competing on that level. So, sure. um, I became, you know, this is mid seventies when I was, I'm 54 now. So right. that was, you know, like mid seventies and I started, you know, smoking pot and drinking and that kind of stuff in high school and, um, became sort of like that whole counterculture, interested in that whole counterculture, art, music, drugs, that kind of, that kind of life. And I went through that art phase. I went to art school. I graduated from art school in in college. Yeah. You know, it took five years to graduate college kind of thing with a bachelor of fine arts degree, which I found, um, was made me eligible to work in the food service industry. Anywhere in the country. Right. Anywhere I want, I could go work (laughs) in the food service industry. And, um, so I did, I, I left New York, uh, with my girlfriend and we went to Albuquerque, New Mexico, where she wanted to go to massage school. Okay. And, uh, I started, yeah, it was great. It was beautiful. This is 1987 now. So and, you, um, you did that like right out of college? Yes. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And, um, I, uh, started waiting tables. All right. Cause that's what you do with an art degree. <laughs> and, uh, Right. <laughs> yeah, it was like, well, yeah, that's, this is what am I going to do? I'm going right. to wait tables. It Just, wasn't even like a joke. You know, no. it was nothing particular. That's what I'm qualified it. for. <laughs> this, is, this is what I can do. This is what my degree um, will let me do. Right. Yeah. And the truth is, I loved it. I, okay. I, I can't tell you, Jeff, how much I love waiting tables. And uh, it's always been my favorite job because it's so, um, all you have to do is take care of the people in front of you. Right. I love being of service. I love finding ways to surprise people and delight them and leave them taken care of. And when you're done, you walk out with cash in your pocket and you're done. I mean, yeah. there's no obligation to be anything in particular. So, right. You can so just I did be that. you for the most part. Yeah. yeah. You know, friendly, you know, it's great. You know, and as long as you're a little bit different, they remember you and they tip you and it's fabulous. Yeah. I love, yeah, yeah. love it. Love and uh, let's see. And then one day the baker in the restaurant I was working at quit. And uh, I had been baking bread for myself, you know, for a while. My girlfriend had taught me how to break, bake bread, um, which if there are any photographers listening, baking baking and, or baking bread and cooking in general is very uh, uh, analogous to photography. You know, yes. there's timing. Oh, I know chemicals. what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. There's just it's a it's a formula. And, and we um, eat with our eyes, and I an think, art. is what, yeah, yeah, you have to, it, it, yeah. so much of it is how the food looks, right? When you watch, t- do you ever watch the show on Netflix, uh, 
chef's table or doesn't need to be that one, but any old, you know, food show. When you see it, it's like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. How'd they do that? Yeah. My, my food doesn't yeah. look that good. <laughs> yeah. Never. It's never. like 99% making it look awesome. Yeah. yeah. Right. And I'm, I'm just not that guy. I'm, um, I'm a rough sketch kind of guy. I'm a rustic, you know, sure. okay. kind of guy. The food that I make is great, but it's all rustic it's all you know like thick chopped vegetables and hearty bread and stuff like that so Mm, gotcha um yeah like cake boss my daughter loves watching cake boss on tv and uh i don't know and uh but i believe it's cake boss is a reality tv show about a guy that has a bakery that makes these unbelievably fancy cakes like you know like the cake that looks like a tiger or the cake that looks like yeah okay you know like these crazy 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 cakes and you know, it's his bakery. They've been doing it for years. It's a reality show. Gotcha. Um, it's like, it's like HGTV, but of cakes. And, um, <laughs> uh, Sounds like fun. Yeah, it's fun. Anyway, I was never that guy. I was always like, let's make, you know, 100 baguettes and make them like a real thick crust and make them like hearty and make them good. Mm. Um, oh, so anyway, I was, so the baker quit and I asked the restaurant if I could try baking and they said, sure, why, why not? And so I did, and I started baking for them. And um, being entrepreneurial in spirit anyway, I've always had my own businesses. Like one of the things, just to backtrack a little bit, like when I was, you know, into the counterculture drug scene, uh, you know, I was a deadhead. Right. Oh, nice. I was on tour with the Grateful Dead in the 70s. Oh, wow. uh, You know. (laughs) Now there's some stories. Yeah, man. If I could remember them, they'd be great. (laughs) And... uh, (laughs) That's it. There you go. <laughs> um, yeah, if you remember them, you, you weren't there. So um, uh, anyway, so I got I used to you know sell T-shirts to make my way across the country with the dead. Oh, nice. So I've o- always been entrepreneurial. And um, when I got to baking for these guys, I started a little uh, wholesale division. Okay. For the restaurant where we could sell our food in the local grocery store. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, it was fun. It was really good. And then one day I got sort of motivated or clear that I was never going to make the kind of money to fund the lifestyle to which I would like to become accustomed by right. baking <laughs> baking bread for them. Right, right. So I, ra- I raised money and started a bakery. Wow. And, uh, now, yeah. Did, now, is this the bagel shop? In it is the bagel. This is it the was. bagel shop. <laughs> That's what that, I brought wow. New York to Albuquerque in, wow. the, in the late eighties, mid, mid, mid nine, you know, beginning of the nineties. And, um, and it was, it was so much fun, Jeff. I can't even tell you. It was great. I remember the day. Well, you get to smell hired, bread like every day uh, baking, right? So that's it was awesome. great. <laughs> but I, I hired the guy. I found the guy that ran the bagel shop next to where I lived in New York and he was baking in Phoenix. And, um, wow. It was wow. totally <laughs> random. Yeah. I couldn't, it was so random that I found this guy cause I had been to Phoenix and I had tried these bagels and they were like, wow, these are great bagels, you know, in Phoenix. So I knew that I wanted them to train me. Okay. And I called them when I was in the process of opening the bagel shop. And they said, 
um, yeah, you could come here and you could, you know, train with us and it'll cost you whatever thousand dollars or whatever. I don't even remember. Right. Sure. It was like, yeah. really, you're going to charge me to work for you. I was like, I was a little bit surprised and annoyed. And I got <laughs> off the phone with them and maybe a half hour later, I get a phone call and it's some guy and he says, Hey, listen, my name's, and I cannot remember his name. I wish I could. Um, but you know, I heard what Bob and Tony were telling you, and that's not right. You, you, uh, I'll train you how to bake bagels. You fly me out to Albuquerque and I'll show you on your equipment. And it turns out that this guy that called me back out of that conversation was the guy that ran the bagel shop near my house in New York. I had no idea. That's so weird. I was like, do you know my friend Evan Musman, who used to work at the bagel shop? He's like, yeah, I know Evan. That you know. Oh, that is so. It was insane. That is so weird. Oh wow. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, I remember the day we I tried my first bagel out of the machine. Um, We weren't even going to be a bagel shop. This is really a weird conversation because we were just going to do bread. Yeah. Except when I was shopping for used equipment in Albuquerque, a bagel shop had closed down. I love it. And so I bought all their equipment and now I needed to learn how to use it. And I was like, (laughs) all right. Well, I'll take this opportunity because I know I want to do some sort of baking and look, I can get this shit cheap. (laughs) Very opportunist. Yes, that's perfect. How's that for vroom vroom freer, right? Yeah, it's uh, perfect. Like like, perfect, right? (laughs) You've vroom vroomed into a veer. It's funny. I haven't thought of this story in forever. I mean, I really can't even remember ever telling anyone this. And, um, uh, uh, oh, so anyway, so this guy comes and I can remember tasting the bagel for the first time out of our machine. Yeah. And I thought, oh, oh my, this is the real deal. <laughs> this is like, this is a real bagel. This yeah. is like a thing, you know, because you can't find a real bagel now. There's no, everyone steams them. Yeah. Ready for a rant? I can give you a little rant. Please. I um, love rants. Yes. Oh my God. Rants Einstein's about- or yeah, yeah. any of that stuff. Ugh. They're it's just, round They're bread. all just wrong, huh? It's wrong. It's you have to wrong. boil a bagel. Okay. I, I, I don't boil. mean it like from some moral standpoint, like you must do. If you want the thing to be chewy and you want the thing to be a bagel, you got to boil it. It's just the way it works. It's not optional. You don't get to like steam it and it, it looks like it. It looks like a bagel, but it's it's round bread with a hole in it. It's not a bagel. It's, you know, what is that? That's, it's a soulless know, piece of bread disguised a, as a bagel. It's not even disguised. It's it's horrible. So anyway, <laughs> we even we had to, we really did have real bagels in Albuquerque. And if you knew anyone in Albuquerque in 1991 through 1999, they would know Fred's Bread and Bagel as the place to get real bagels. And it was a really, it was the real deal. Now, I was still a stoner and I was still, you know, not interested in really running a profitable business. So while we had a lot of customers, we never generated any profit. Ah. And, um, it was always a struggle until I got myself out of that whole um, scene, scene, you know, and I got myself out of that scene, um, which I did. And thankfully, you know, it's fine. It's great now. Um, but, uh, it was a ton of fun in those days. That was, we really had something going on. Oh, yeah. You're, you're baking bread. You're smoking weed. How can it be bad? It was really good. <laughs> you had all the food you wanted. 
<laughs> You've got the munchie cure built into your job business thing. Yes, exactly. <laughs> we really did. Cookies and all this stuff. It was boy, that, talk about recipe for disaster. It really right? was. A bunch of stoners baking bread and bagels. <laughs> Oh my god! It was really. I can man. If you really wanted to get, um, it was. Oh gosh, we. I once took the employees to uh, see the Dukes, Albuquerque Dukes, and the Albuquerque Dukes are the farm team for the. Were the farm team for the Los Angeles Dodgers, right? Okay. Triple A baseball. And uh, you ever been to a Triple A baseball game? No. Okay, they're fun. I mean, you know, if you love baseball, they're fun. If you don't like baseball, they're stupid. But okay. if you like baseball, they're fun. It's small. The stadiums are teeny. You know, right. the, the it's the regular size field, but it's a teeny stadium. So you're everyone's really close. And it's like going it's to like, like a high school game or something. Yeah, a little yeah, bit. it's like that. A little bit, a little bigger, but it, you okay. know. And the players are great. You know, you'll see you'll see major league players on rehab and stuff. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I took the business. I took the employees as a you know. Perk, whatever, yeah, and uh, we you. got kicked. We got kicked out for smoking pot, and um, <laughs> oh, that was frowned upon then. It was oh. in those days. Oh. This is, you know, this is still before legal marijuana and legal yeah. uh, medical marijuana, and anything. Right, it was right, just right. so we got kicked out, and um, and then we got really paranoid. <laughs> that they were going to come to the bagel shop and find us smoking pot. So we stopped. That was the day we stopped smoking pot in the, in the bakery. <laughs> that's how, that's how out of touch with reality we were. We thought, Oh, this is now they're going to bust. Now us. So we we're going to get in trouble. Yeah. That's when we took the bong out of the office. That was the day. <laughs> People on weed don't make great decisions. It was really a bad, it was a bad, bad, bad business move. Right. So. so, but that that whole business kind of had a nice bow on bow on the um, on the sale, right? I mean, didn't you sell that business for a nice exit? Yeah, I sold the business for uh, uh, roughly what we had put into it. It was okay. a, it was not a big money maker for us uh, for the investors at all, but it you know it didn't wind up being a disaster either. So it was. <laughs> Despite all okay. your, your best efforts. <laughs> and despite my best efforts, right? I couldn't kill it. Um, very, although the people that bought it wound up killing it. Oh, really? Oh, oh my God. The people that bought it just ran it right into the ground. Um, they took all the, you know, I mean, it had a certain charm. You know, it had a certain, uh, you, you'd, have to speak, you'd have to speak to someone else who was in Albuquerque at that time, but it had a real character to it. Sure. And uh, like any punk band that came through, uh, any band actually that came through Albuquerque in the '90s, um, ate at Fred's for free. We fed musicians. Oh wow! Uh, a lot of the employees were punk rockers, and uh, a lot of the uh, uh, you know the, the clientele, you know these were these were all younger kids, and uh, you know they to a lot of it was it was a cultural phenomenon for the employees and for the and for the core customer group mm. and um and uh yeah so you know we had these signed pictures of bands and stuff any band came to gave us a signed picture so we had this wall of fame mm. of all these bands that were thanking us and and then we had fake bands too and <laughs> anyone who would get us a picture at all like we had judge wapner on the wall and things Why like not? that and uh why not, right? And they came in. And we had this huge mural, an airbrush mural of uh, James Brown, 
and it. a huge airbrush mural of Frank Zappa. Oh, and, Frank Zappa, he's uh, awesome. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and they came in. These new owners came in and they took it all down. They <sighs> made it antiseptic, and yeah. no one was interested in coming anymore. Boo. So, no, I get it. Lost yeah. all its turn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they ruined it. Yeah. Okay, so that was awesome. But so what? What was the next chapter in your life? Um, well, After one of the sell, things sold that business, I should say. Yeah, I it, sometime in the in the middle of all of that, I hired a business coach, and the business coach recommended that I do this program called the Landmark Forum. Oh, I've heard of it, and Landmark I don't know if you yeah. ever heard of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so they recommended that I do it, and it all looked like West Coast mojo, woo woo, touchy feely. Right. Yeah, to people me, usually I didn't know think you're about gonna get, it. it's a cult and you're, they're going to brainwash you. Yeah, so, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. But he recommended that I do it. And uh, after about a year uh, of various – my general manager did it about six months in. And she and I stopped fighting. And I thought, wow, that's fantastic. There's something <laughs> going on that. here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe this isn't such a bad cult. I came, yeah. And then I came home – or my girlfriend came home one day. And she had done the forum and I didn't know it. And she had come home one day and I was complaining about my job and she thought it was totally weird that I was complaining about my job and I owned the business. And she was like, that's stupid. And if you don't stop complaining, I'm gonna leave you. And if you do the forum, you will stop complaining. So fine, I'll do it, right? A carrot and a stick, you know what I mean? Like I had a carrot called my business coach and a stick called my girlfriend was gonna leave me. And <laughs> right. uh, I get it, yeah. <laughs> And, um, and so I did it and that was 1994 and, uh, it blew my mind. I had never seen anything like it. It was the most impactful weekend I'd ever spent in my life. It was moving to me how, um, still is moving to me. I noticed I'm getting moved just talking about it. It yeah, was, yeah. it was literally the best thing I'd ever done. I'd never seen it. I always thought it was. I couldn't believe in a weekend they could accomplish that much with that many people. And um, so I kept participating with them. I kept doing the seminars and I kept mm -hmm. doing other things with them. And, right. and at some point it struck me like I could make a bigger difference with my life um, working for that company, Landmark, than I could having people put cream cheese on bagels. Sure. And – I don't know people that don't want to make a difference with their life. I've never met anyone who doesn't want to make a difference with their life. So uh, I sold the business and I went to work for Landmark. And I did that for 11 years. So what kind of job and, uh, did you get with Landmark? You were like a I was, seminar leader or? Yeah, I was a seminar leader, okay. which is not really a paid position there, but I was a seminar leader. And But what I did, the paid position I did was I was the registration manager. I was responsible oh, okay. for the growth of the, the office in Phoenix, and then I was responsible for the growth of the office in Seattle. Like I transferred to Seattle um, about two years in and, and or three years in. And um, and I was responsible for the growth of the office in terms of people doing the, that program, the Landmark Forum. And, um, you know, every day for 11 years, I was talking to people about what else would be possible for them if what they thought was possible wasn't really all that was possible. Mm. And that's really what they do. That's what Landmark does is it, it leaves you, leaves people with an opening to act in areas of life where you think 
where you'd like something to be possible, but you don't think there's anything possible. Right. They're wow. just, it's just masterful at leaving people in action because the only thing that produces results is action. So it's not like, right, right. Woo. It's like, look, if you want something, you got to act on it. But what's between you and acting gets distinguished. You get to see what's between you and acting. And once you can see what's between you and acting, you can let it go. Right, right. And then act. And then people do all the time. It's the most amazing thing. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've heard, uh, I, I did uh, a lot of personal development workshops myself. And, you know, mm -hmm. once you start rolling in those circles and you start, you know, and I did the same thing. It was a different group. It wasn't uh, Landmark. It was just a dude doing workshops, uh, mm -hmm. a blogger guy. But mm -hmm. I know what you're talking about as far as like, wow, this is amazing. I didn't know there were people, you know, yeah. this open and this, you know, kind of like, uh, I don't know, like, like me, but themselves too, you know, and yep. interested in growth. So, yeah, I went to way, way too many of those <laughs> just because, you know, it wasn't even that the information was different. It was just such a neat place to be. Mm. You know, what I'm talking, you know, like when you started going to those seminars over and over and over again, you know, you already knew what they were going to say, right? <laughs> you didn't care. You just wanted to be in the room almost. Yeah. 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 I get that. So, yeah. Yeah. That was a ton of fun, man. Uh, and, you know, I still participate with them. I still, you know, talk to people all the time about it. I don't, you know, I generally don't work with people. I, I, cl clients I do, but, you know, if you're on my team at work, you're going to do the forum. Okay. Because it's, it's just, it just makes life way simpler. <laughs> right, right. When, you know, when you have that. It's you know, this weekend not, thing that you can do that's just going to be a veer automatically. Yeah, totally, completely. Right. Yeah, it's like exactly. taking it's like taking LSD. Something it, will right. happen. <laughs> it might I'm suck. With you. I, I'm not, I would it not might be awesome. I, <laughs> something's gonna happen. Something's gonna happen. It's a boom. It is a vroom vroom veer for sure. Got Very it. much so. It's like yeah. a, a vroom on steroids. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Can't recommend it enough. So. Talk a little bit about some of the uh, entrepreneurial startups with uh, with interesting twist, as they say. So, how many startups have you done now, uh, or involved with? You know, not all well, of them are yours, right? Yeah, right. So, you know, I mean, the bakery was clearly a startup. Right, right. That's and, you. Right. right. That was me. And then um, uh, one of the things that uh, I I was uh, after I left Landmark, I went into a business called uh, Proceed Media Group. And what they, they were, excuse me, a technological startup that had a better way to buy television time for advertisers. Okay. So if you think about, you never really do think about this stuff, but um, you know, you're watching TV. Right. And then the commercial comes on. Someone said somewhere this is the right show for me to advertise this product. So they're guessing right? who's watching. Exactly. Okay. Right. And, um, the methodology with which people guess who's watching is ridiculously outdated <laughs> and ridiculously <laughs> inaccurate. Right. <laughs> they're, fundamentally using the technology that they had when you know you watch you ever watch mad men oh man you know i've tried to come up i've watched enough to know what you're talking about okay fine yeah 
it's, you know, the way television was developed, you know, and they're still using that technology to determine who's watching when you really don't have to. I mean, you now have deep data sets of people's uh, characteristics and behavior that you can use to determine with an unbelievable degree of accuracy who's watching anything, even though it may not be intuitive and it's right. we're not talking about cameras in your microwave kind of spying on you. <laughs> we're talking, no, right. right which is date when this is recorded. Um, <laughs> cameras in your microwave. <laughs> um, you know, but there are ways of, of actually pinpointing with accuracy who's watching and who's responding. And, and, uh, and this company had developed that technology and it was oh, really... Wow. It was a ton of fun. It was really exciting. I was in this. I was on the sales team for that. You know, banging on doors of uh, advertisers, marketers of you know manufacturers of people bringing products to market. That people were trying to sell stuff, to, right? Yeah, if you were trying to sell stuff on TV, I was knocking on your door trying to get your business. Okay. Um, and uh, you know, there were some problems with that. There weren't problems with the technology they were using necessarily, but it was a problem with the business model that television uses is, um, if this is the madman situation is that the, uh, the, um, advertising agency that develops the content that develops the ad itself, right? How they get paid is they buy the television time and they charge a layer on top of what the television station, so they get a commission. Okay. They get a piece of what you, of your ad spend. So if you're going to not use their recommendations, they're not going to get paid. And, you know, like the, the big brands are already deeply in bed with their advertising agencies. They're not interested in some newfangled startup in Seattle that has some better way to do it. Right, right. They're, they're not, they're, <laughs> why yeah. would they're at, they're, they're, they've been doing this for 60 years and they're fine. So it was, it was about breaking the, you really had a breakthrough there. And they had tried several different ways of doing it. They were all VC funded and couldn't break through, couldn't break through, couldn't break through, finally brought on as uh, a new, um, uh, director, sales, uh, uh, CEO that, uh, they thought would be able to bring old clients to the, t you know, big, big clients to the table, the big brand types, okay. the big brands to the table. And, uh, and this guy wound up firing the founder, uh, <laughs> not as uncommon as you might think, not uncommon at all. Right. Right. And, uh, you know, some of the best my manager had quit and then they fired the founder and then they fired me. And then not, 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 there were a couple other people that fired before me. It wasn't like, <laughs> I, I wasn't like the linchpin in this. Okay. Sure, this is sure. like, well, the right. founder and then me, it wasn't like that. It, you know, <laughs> right. I, I was one of the people that got fired though. Sure. And, um, uh, then they moved the sales team to New York and then the whole thing just sort of collapsed. And, um, after that, and, uh, he, uh, they found themselves um, that uh, AOL wound up buying them, mm. and uh, they still are in Seattle. And I'm still I'm still friendly with you know a bunch of the engineers from there because they're melding, well, weaving that 
technology into um, AOL's sales products. So okay. we'll see how that goes. So it's, it's still around. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that was my experience with that startup. It seems like it was just not a, uh, it wasn't time yet. It's one of those things. It's like the technology was too soon, maybe. Yeah, Yeah. it could be, you know, and then, and, you know, and then it's one of those. um, Well, and then TV is kind of like that mode of, of ads are like, it's almost dying a little (laughs) because there's no ads on Netflix, right? (laughs) That's right. It's certainly facing a lot of competition and a lot of different. Yeah. Different things, yeah. Well, and uh, and then the all the kids these days they're not they're not looking at TV the way we did. I mean, they don't even have TVs; they just use their phone for everything. <laughs> mm. It's a whole new world, anyway. It's a whole new world. It, it really a whole, is a whole new world. It is a yeah. whole new world. So let's talk a little bit about because and uh, your on your one sheet you said that you spend a lot of time doing cold call selling. Mm-hmm. So yes, to tell us yeah. some happy slash sad surprises. Oh my God. <laughs> doing some uh-huh. cold calls because <laughs> yeah. those are, well, can be like just a boring grind, and then every mm-hmm. once in a while something neat happens, right? Exactly. I mean, right. look, I'm mean, like I I started with that's the job of real estate is those calls. That's how I actually got into real estate. So I got fired from this company, and then um, took a position as a salesperson for a credit repair company and okay i was doing inside sales for them i would sit on the phone and pound out a hundred dials a day wow. to find people with bad credit and um you know they provide the leads and i would call them and try and sell them credit repair services um which really work by the way there's i mean if you find a reputable credit repair company it works you can actually repair your own credit it's, oh of course Nothing sleazy about that. Yeah, I mean there are sleazy companies, but there are really yes, there there are scams going on. But if there's a if somebody is researchable, you know, mm-hmm. who isn't now, right? As long as you yeah. do your research, I think yeah, yeah, it's you know one of the many ways to get out of debt. Yeah, fix your credit. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah. So anyway, I was doing a hundred dollars a day with them, and the thing that uh, I uh, uh, was ca- I was calling. Uh, Friends, I was calling their leads they gave me, but also being entrepreneurial. I was like, well, what else can I do here? How else can I do this? Um, you know, I, I, you know, what else can I do to get more business? And I thought I'd call realtors because okay. I figured realtors were constantly running into people that didn't have the kind of credit they wanted to buy homes. Oh, and right. Once you, if nothing else, they're good for the data sheet. <laughs> yes, exactly. Good thinking. I like that. So. Oh yeah. And then I, and so I was talking to these guys and, uh, you know, I'm friends of mine cause that's who, cause everyone knows a dozen realtors and, um, they, uh, they were saying, you know, their communication basically was, look, if you're doing a hundred dials a day, you should be in real estate because with your personality and that kind of, if you'll do a hundred dials a day, you'll be rich. You'll do, you'll be rich if you can do a hundred dials a day wow. in real estate. Yeah. And, uh, and I didn't believe him. And I took another job because this job wasn't really going to work out. And uh, I took another job for about eight months. But then I started listening to them and I started investigating it. And I went ahead and got my real estate license and then, um, you know, started in real estate in earnest about four years ago. Wow. And, and again, because it's so entrepreneurial. I mean, real estate is a startup. 
You're right. a startup. You're your right. own CEO. Right. Yeah, oh, for you sure. You eat what you kill. You know, you're you're <laughs> out. <laughs> so true. Yes. Yeah. You know, you're not gonna get any more. Right. Then you, you're not gonna get. You're gonna get exactly what you deserve. You know, right. you're gonna get right. all the work you deserve, and um, and you can do it. Anything you want with it. You could cold call. You don't have to cold call. You could door knock. You don't have to door knock. You could just sit at open houses and let people come to you. Right. You don't have to do that. <laughs> you can send out mailers. You don't have to do right, that. Right, right, right. All a billion things you could do. Like there's a million ways to get business as a realtor. Right. And um, uh, I just looked like fun and it looked great. And it, you know, so, and I think the thing about cold calling, I mean, if you've got people listening, Jeff, that are, you know, in a business that call, you know, the, 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 I don't know. The trick to it is you just pick up the phone. You know, you just start dialing. No one. It's so rare that someone yells at me. I mean, it's so uncommon. Really? It's oh, almost never does anyone yell at me. I yeah. mean, you know, maybe once a month. Okay. Twice a month. And you're doing a and, and, I don't know, and and that's hundred calls a day, times what five times a, a week, yeah. I guess. So that's five hundred yeah. times four. Yikes. Yeah, maybe calls one yeah. in a month. That's that's no a, one that's surprising. Yeah, no one's you know some people hang up and some people aren't happy, but no one. Yeah. Moves. and even if they yell, how does that have anything to do with me? Right. I mean, right. what does that what does that even mean? Yeah, they can't hurt you over the phone. Well, not only yeah, not only can they <laughs> physically not do anything to me, but what's the who it, cares? That's the, yeah. that's their issue. You know, they got like, oh, do you need a hug? Right. You sound like you need a hug. I guess it's on to the next day. call. We're basically yeah. <laughs> Listen, I'm so sorry you're that upset that you picked up the phone when I called. Right, I, right. Yeah. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> That's great. So that leads us very naturally right into what you've got going on now. So you've been doing real estate for about four years, you said, right? Yes. Yeah. And you're in... You're in the Seattle area, and you're with right. Ke Keller Williams, right? Yep. So let's talk a little bit about what you got going on in your book, Don't Get Fooled Again. So, Because mm -hmm. you talk about something that I just went through, which is another like Twilight Zone moment. Because mm -hmm. I just hired a real estate agent to sell my house here in mm -hmm. sunny California. So let's talk about how I screwed that all up. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't know that you did. But, I don't know that uh, I did either, but I probably okay, did. <laughs> I probably uh, did. I didn't. I didn't take the time to read your book, but I'm assuming okay. I did. I did what most people do and made a lot of mistakes. <laughs> well, okay. Let me just ask you, okay, before okay, we get into sure. it. Sure. Uh, uh, let me just ask you: When you, how did you find the realtor that you picked, and what was the criteria by which which you chose them over anybody else? So number one, we, we picked two. So we, and we wanted to pick three, but mm -hmm. we just kind of got excited. Mm -hmm. uh, so the third one kind of fell by the wayside because we, we liked both the first two. So what we did was we asked friends. Mm -hmm. So that was one friend said, oh, I've got a buddy and he, uh, he's in my jujitsu class and he's really good and he's a great guy and I love him and, you sh and he does real estate. So call him. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay. So we, he was right. He was a very nice guy. He came in and gave us all these suggestions and then he sent us his, his net, uh, net sheet 
And we went, mm-hmm. mm, that's not bad. <laughs> and we both liked him. And then, uh, and then the other person was the buyer's agent when we bought the house that we're living in. And mm-hmm. then she, she became our neighbor slash friend. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, I don't know, somewhere between when and whenever. She, several years ago, she moved. Um, but we, we still had her number, right? So we called her, I think I emailed her and I said, Hey, I, uh, I don't know if you're still working in this area, but if you're not, do you, ha- do you know anybody that, mm-hmm. that is, you know, working real estate in this area? And she emailed me back right away. And she said, my, my partner, Joanne just sold my unit like in September. And that's like two doors down from my house. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, well, at least she knows how. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> right? Because she just mm-hmm. did it, right? So right. then we interviewed them both. Their net sheets were as exactly the same. Literally. They came down to the same number. I mean, mm-hmm. how they got there, slightly different. But in the end, it was, you know, within $1,000, which I just blow off to, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. right? So I was like, so net sheet wise, they were the same. So then it just came down to who do we like better? And Good. Uh, yeah. And the only thing that pushed the person that we hired over was that she had just had a sale in in our in our townhouse area here, and mm-hmm. the other guy didn't work in our neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So that was it. That's why we picked her. Fabulous. Did all we right, do well, okay? First of all, that's yeah. <laughs> look, first of all, that's probably a, twenty times more work than anyone else does. Okay. okay. Nice. It's something like eighty percent of depending on whose statistics you believe, but 80% of consumers will hire the first realtor they talk to. Oh, well, hey, we did two. Exactly. <laughs> right? You had two. And, you know, now, probably the thing about, the, more. The, thing about yeah. the net sheet that's interesting, and, and the net sheet, I'm assuming, means um, uh, uh, the thing about the, is the amount they were going to sell your home for. Is that Correct. right? Correct. Yes. Okay, fine. Um, the one which is great, and it's great that the numbers were the same, so you know someone's not blowing smoke. Right. Um, right. Right. Which will happen. Someone will say they'll sell it for more, which anyone can say. Right. Right. And then sometimes consumers will jump and go, "Oh, um, go in there." Right. Right. Um, because they're going to sell it for more, except without the evidence, like without the comps, without showing you why they're saying more. Right. You can't. You can't trust do that. it. You can't. You do can't do that. that. <laughs> They're just not magically going to sell it for more. What's the evidence that they have? Right. Trust, right. 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 Um, Actually, they both said that they were like, you know, some people will come in and and try to you know win you over with a higher sales price, and then they don't get the appraised value. Yeah. When the appraisal comes around, so then you're still. It's kind of like I don't even know why what why would anybody do that? I don't. I know. I it's a little slimy. <laughs> Well, here's but why people, stupid, you know, it is. Well, here's why they do it. I mean, this is it's it's in their best interest to do it because a listing in and of itself has value to the realtor. OK, right. Because it looks like to, they're working. Well, I don't know. Yes, but <laughs> not really. The value is two things. One okay. is um, uh, because 85 percent of the people will hire the first person they talk to. Mm. And if they have a sign in your yard that has their name on it, people are going to call on that house. Right. And anyone that calls on that house that doesn't have an agent is 
85% likely to hire them as their agent. Oh, wow. Because they're right. there first. Right. Right. The first one you so talk just, to. Right. Yeah. C rule so A. <laughs> exactly right. C rule A. Exactly right. So just having a sign because your house is overpriced. They're like, fine. This house may not work for you, but I got these three other ones I could show you. Right. Wow. And now they're their real. Okay. So they got it that way. Right. So that's one reason why just having your listing is valuable to them. The second piece is they can try and sell it at that high price for a month and then say something like, listen, Jeff, it didn't sell at that price. We're probably going to have to lower the price now. Mm, right. Right. And you don't want to go through all this again. So let's just get the price lower. Let's get it sold. They start to lower the price. Now it's going to have to get lowered, lower than you wanted from the first day, from the, from the real price, because it's been on the market for a month. So everyone thinks right. it's old. Right. Cause you're never going to get as much as you do in the first 10 days. Right. Um, and, and then they're going to get your house sold. So they're going to wind up with new clients and they'll get your house sold and you wind up with less money, but that's how that went. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. Ouch. Right. Right. Yikes we call ouch. that. Yeah. In the business that's called buying a listing, you know, you tell the client what they want to hear and you right. get the listing and then right. you talk yeah. at that. You get it. Down. Okay. Good to know. Things to watch out yeah. for. Right. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, oh, so, so anyway, so what you did was great with the net sheets. Right. Right. The only piece that I, you know, there's a couple more things that I think you can use to separate realtors. Cause okay. I think you did a really, that's a really high level job, by, by the way, Jeff, you know, we were joking before we were recording about how you messed that up, but you really didn't necessarily mess it up. I didn't do um, everything wrong. So that's good. No, I don't think you did anything. <laughs> Oh, good. <laughs> uh, the the, um, the uh, opportunity, I think, is to, you know, you get the names of four or five realtors that you want to interview. Okay. Right. And then uh, in the book, I have seven questions you can ask. But the one question that I think is sort of like the money question that you yeah. could ask is, um, Tell me your lit, your sales to list price ratio. In other words, the the amount over or under asking price that you sell homes for. And can you show me the listings for the last 12 months that you sold? Mm, right. And then they can provide you with that data. So then you'll see the days on market, how much they originally asked and how much they got. And you want that number to be higher. Yeah, you want the <laughs> you want the, yes. <laughs> you want to take the person that gets the most money in the least amount of time. Well, don't you when you sell a house? No, for reals. Yeah, yeah, for reals. And yeah, right. yeah. And, all right, sorry. <laughs> no, that's brilliant. You really figured it out. But I can tell you're really at the source of it, and most people aren't. Right. They right. go for their kid's soccer coach. Yeah. Right, or that right. nice lady I met at the school auction. Yeah. Or I've seen this guy's signs all over town. Right. Or right, right. he has a bunch of stars next to his name online. Sure. He must I be mean, good. That's, <laughs> that's the level of research you do if you're going to dinner. <laughs> you yelp it. Right. You do. And this is, right? this is and you're like, like, oh, you know, I even considered like selling it myself. Right. Right. For about 15 minutes. Yeah. Well, that's a crazy thing to do. That's There's a stupid thing to no do. <laughs> Almost, I mean, look, so I'm biased and you can't, right? But you just, no, the, I think the number, I know, right? If you the were in number, Menominee, Michigan, you could totally sell your own house. 
Why? What's Menominee, Michigan? Menominee, Michigan is like 12,000 people, right? Mm. And everybody knows everybody. And, uh, you know, you could probably figure out how to do all those things all by yourself. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and just do it for sale by owner, you know. You're not going to, the, the, I don't know, maybe. I would consider well, it more if I were in a small uh, yeah, town that I knew what y- was going you on. You might. Uh, yeah. it, it's rare that the numbers add up. They do sometimes, but it's just rare that the num- the money you right. save is rarely Right, because they all, the, the, the realtor already has the machinery to make the sale happen. Yeah, and you else. don't. And besides right. that, so look, I mean, just math-wise, uh, yeah. for sale by owner, you're thinking you're going to save, let's just say, national average is somewhere around 6%, right, right. of commission, right. which half goes to the person that brings the buyer, right. half goes to the agent you hire, right? Right. Okay. So that means if you're going to try and save that 6%, first of all, that you're now going to eliminate anyone br- coming to you with a buyer's agent. Right. You can no longer now use a realtor on the other side if you're going to try and take that 6%, Right. So you just have to so, find a dude. <laughs> yeah, and that right. dude has to be so dumb as to not know that you're trying to save 6%. Right. Because that dude is going to want that 6% for them. That's why they're going to a for sale by owner and not one on the MLS. Oh, wow. Okay. That buyer knows you're trying to save the 6%. Right. So they're going to want a lower price. Mm. Wow. Right? Aren't yeah. they? Yeah, of course. And that's why they would go to a for sale by owner. They think it's going to be some savings. So almost immediately, half of what you're trying to save is off the table. It's gone. <laughs> Just because you're trying to be a little cheap. Right. Well, you yeah. can't do it, right? right? Why would anyone come to you without an agent? Because they want to save the money. Okay, right, well, they right. either want to save the money. or You can't both save the same 3%. Right. Wow. So now you're trying to save 3%. Okay, good. So if you're trying to save 3%, is it possible you could find an agent that sells houses for 3% more than average? Mm. If you could find someone who sells houses for 3% more than average, then right. they for pay sure for their higher. own services, right? I, we do. We sell houses for 5% more than average. Right. And, and we more than we pay for both sides. So that's, but if you interviewed them and you saw their track record for the last 12 months, you would know. Right. Yeah, and yeah. you would also explode a bunch of heads because nobody has ever asked me for my track record. Really? Ever. Wow. <laughs> Which is the weirdest thing in the world. One, of, one, of, back one to- of the ladies actually, well, the, the lady that we hired brought her track record with her. So she was very Great. proud of it. <laughs> I'll bet she was. And you didn't even look at it. <laughs> I did. Actually, I did. Now, okay, I good. didn't look at it until, me, sh- until she showed it to me. Because, you're, you know, I was like a little clueless. Right. Mm-hmm. But then when she showed me and she explained why it was important. Right. Obviously, yeah. she's very persuasive. <laughs> yeah. But Good. it doesn't she doesn't matter, really, if she's persuasive or not. Um, it just it makes sense. Right. If you uh, if you, you know, set the sale price for this and then the actual sale price is more than that. <laughs> well, that's good. Right. Very <laughs> that's good. good. <laughs> That's a good thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's sort of the principle behind the book that I wrote was that I was just shocked that nobody ever asked me for my track record when it's so obvious that what they want is the most money in the least time. Right. With the least hassle. Nobody ever says, show me your track record of getting home sold for the most money in the least time 
and tell me what you do to make sure I don't get any hassles. Mm. Nobody says that. You didn't say it. Nobody says it. Right. No, Um, I didn't say it. No. So anyway. Another um, thing that that put her over the top was that she recommended that we go ahead and change out to low-flow toilets. Mm, Great. Brilliant. Well, less hassle, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's now super easy to do that, right? No problem because <laughs> we're yeah. already doing stuff. But if we get down to like uh, the county or somebody telling us to do it, then it would be a pain, pain in the ass. Right. So, you know, mm-hmm. that would save a, a bit of a hassle. So, yeah. yeah, that was another thing we were thinking of. Yeah, for sure. So uh, that was that's pretty amazing. I love it. So if people want to know more and figure out like all the bits and bobs about what not to do. When you're selling your house, you can find more about that at don'tgetfooledagainbook.com. And you, you can uh, you can get in touch with Aaron Hendon there uh, and talk a little bit about uh, what's fun about living on an island in Seattle as we wrap up. <laughs> so yeah. an island off the coast somewhere around Seattle, right? Yeah. 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 It's a 20-minute boat ride. Okay. Um, it's... You know, it's great. I, I, we are completely set for the zombie apocalypse, Jeff. Okay, so <laughs> when the zombie apocalypse comes, we just shut the ferries off and we're right. done. Right. It's over. They're not coming here. We don't know. We try to. The big argument on the island is: can zombies walk underwater? And there's we're split. Huh. So a lot of people are split: huh. Republican, Democrat in this country right, right now. Right, we're right, split right. between zombie walkers underwater and not. Well, That's they the can. They do. Fight. They do. They're more. They're kind of buoyant, and they and it depends on the uh, if stuff you know washes up on shore, you might have a problem. They did right. this but in uh, Fear right. the Walking Dead. So there were zombies washing up on to the, an island beach. Well, there you go. Okay. <laughs> so it's it's not that can they walk is 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 more of does the stuff you know roll up onto the beach because eventually people you know dead people will end up in the water I guess <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like this is ever going to happen but I get it yeah that's awesome you're ready we're ready you're ready that's the most fun part <laughs> well hey this has been a blast Aaron I appreciate you being on my show. Well, Jeff, I really appreciate your your bringing me on. You're letting me be here. It was a really great. I, like I said, I talked about things I haven't talked about yeah, with that's, anybody. That's that's part of being, you know, on the on the Vroom Vroom Veer style show. It's not just the the business talk. It's a yeah. little bit more fun. It's great. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Thanks, man. See ya. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for taking the time to ride along with us on another episode of Vroom Vroom Veer. For podcast info and show notes, be sure to head over to vvveer.com. That's triple V double E-R.com. Man, that's fun to say. And we'll catch up with you next time here on Vroom Vroom Veer.